0: Sunday, january 28, eighth, two thousand twenty-four. I'm Anthony Davis. Welcome to the weekend show, where we make the time to consider the news of the week. You can support my work and independent journalism at patreon.com/slash five minute news. Our guest today is a winning trial attorney, business consultant and co anchor and founder of the Legal AF podcast, Michael Popok. Welcome back to the weekend. Thank you,
1: Anthony. Great to be back.
0: It's it's very sweet that you know we like to appear on each other's shows, despite us you know being all on the same network. And people often write to me and say like, "Are you guys friends in in real life?" And and the answer is, I think we have become friends as a we result are. of this collaboration. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, oh, one thousand percent. We 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 do a fair amount of texting and speaking to each other, including about developments in our personal life, good and bad, off. Off camera, I would I would chalk that up to a good old fashioned friendship.
0: It's true, and you and I are both recently married, so we've had that we have that in common, <laughs> which is why we're both grinning slightly. There's two married guys doing a podcast. <laughs> so uh, I want to talk about um, well, you're here because you're a legal expert, and obviously, Legal AF focuses on the intricacies of the trials. Donald Trump is, you know, ninety one charges, four indictments uh the the rape trial which became a defamation trial with Eugene Carroll we'll talk about that a little bit later but i i want to first put forward the case that you know people ask me all the time aside from a uh, you and popoc friends they say is donald trump ever going to go to prison and really i think that is the you know that that is the kind of hot button issue because despite all the cases despite all the efforts of the justice department and you know the various attorneys general it's very difficult to kind of put your finger on whether or not justice will ever catch up with this guy because he is very slippery. So I'm very much of the opinion that he is too slippery for America for the American justice system and guys like him, white collar criminals or however you want to present it. They they seem to be able to get away with it time and time again. That's not your view though, is it?
1: No, no. I think what we're watching Is the justice system in action? A justice system that wasn't prepared for Donald Trump as defendant and his machinations, his acting out, his testing the limits, his blowing past the limits, any more so than the institution of the presidency was ready for him after he lost. Um, But, but the, um, I don't, I, as you know, I don't subscribe to the theory that he is, he continues to be the Teflon Don. That doesn't uh, that, that the justice system doesn't know what to do with any longer. Ninety one felony uh, indictments across four criminal cases in four different locations is one. The people thought, well, he'll never be indi- let's just let's just go to what the people were saying. Whatever those people were back when, he'll never be indicted. Okay, four indictments and ninety one charges later, that's wrong. There'll never be a trial in which any part of him will be found to be criminally liable. Well, Alvin Bragg, two years ago, 17-count felony conviction in front of a Manhattan jury for tax evasion, and his CFO went to jail. Um, He'll never pay the price for what he's done to a rape victim in defamation with E. Jean Carroll. Well, a jury in May returned a verdict, the last jury. We got a new one out right now who is continuing to consider these issues. $5.2 $5.2 million uh, punitive damage uh, and compensatory damages for both civil rape and defamation. People around him will never be brought to justice. Well, you got uh, uh, Bannon, who's uh, out on appeal, uh, uh, but was sentenced to, um, uh, for a, a contempt of Congress. Peter Navarro going to jail for contempt of Congress. Rudy Giuliani lost his bar license. Rudy Giuliani, $148 million on the wrong side of a jury verdict for his role in defaming Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, which are also at the heart over there. And the rest of that will talk through the checkerboard of the calendar and my expectations for from now until November, which, if any of the four trials, are going to go to a jury verdict when and then if he loses and if anybody here, not in this audience, but if anybody in the, in the world thinks that Donald Trump is going to run the table and go, oh, and go 91 and 0 against all the charges against him, uh, they have got another thing coming. They're going to be in for a
0: rude awakening. But the point that I, I'm making is that if we go chronologically, Steve Bannon was the first person kind of up in court. He's not in prison, found guilty, but not in prison. He is, a, he is a free man. He is still a, a, an instrument for Donald Trump. Yep. He has his war room podcast. He's still putting out propaganda. He's very much involved in, you know, Project 2025 and this whole idea to rebuild the federal government in Trump's image. I mean, regular people don't see that as justice. The same. Well, was I mean, only f-
1: but wait, Anthony, it was only four door. months anyway. He'd be out. Even if he went in, he would have been yeah. out already. It's only four months. It's six months for Navarro for contempt of Congress. But, but no, I don't Navarro
0: at the moment is also a free man. And at the end of Navarro's right. trial, the, the he was allowed to walk free from the courtroom and go and make a rather you know hilarious speech outside with people blowing whistles and, and shaking bells. But that's not the point. Navarro also allowed to go free. And the same with Rudy Giuliani. He might have been disbarred, but he, he has not gone to jail. And the point that I really want to make is, you know, what do these people have in common? They are white and they are wealthy. And if it were a poor black person in the dock, there is absolutely no way that they would have been allowed to walk free. For or even a wealthy black person. Or even a wealthy black person, which is a very right. good point. And, and when we look at the amount of uh, the level of, of incarceration of people for, for tiny Crimes, nothing crimes. It, 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 it's the injustice of that that I think is frustrating for so many people, including me, as you can probably tell.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not here to um, to, um, to discount where you're at in terms of watching the justice system strain and groan under the weight, no pun intended, of Donald Trump yeah. and all of his acting out. Yeah. I think there, you know, when I, and I have my co anchor, Karen Free McNiffalo, often says, if he was an ordinary person doing what he was doing, he would not, he'd be inside of a jail already. And that may be yeah. true, but he's not. He is, like it or not, enough people voted for him that he was a president at one time. <clears throat> Pardon me. And like it or not, there are enough people in his party. That are going to make him the nominee that he is going to be run. He is running for and will be on the ballot. We'll talk about that another, another time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come November. Mm-hmm. And so there are, you know, there's entire chapters of the Department of Justice manual about what you do with people that are running for, you know, near an election and running for an election. But for me, as a uh, connoisseur of the legal process watching, It's except for those things that are out of everybody's control, which are the length of time it's taking certain of the appellate courts to render decisions. We can talk about one today. We're still waiting for the D.C. Court of Appeals and that three-judge panel to rule that there is no absolute presidential immunity for committing crimes while you're in office. They're going to make that ruling. We're just waiting on it. But it's delaying like the United States Supreme Court's ultimate decision on it and therefore delaying that particular D.C. election interference trial. But everything else, frankly, just takes time. I've got civil cases that don't have names like Donald Trump attached to them in my own practice, that I'm waiting four years and five years to get to a a jury setting, a trial setting. That is America. There are cases on the docket that are the, the, the thing that happened, happened 10 years ago, and it's just now going to jury trial. But there's a velocity at which we need this to move. And I think the federal judges in the District of Columbia especially recognize this because I do subscribe to the theory that it, the American people deserve to know whether they are voting for a convicted criminal or not when they go to the polls in November. That it's not enough that they know they're voting for at least an indicted, uh, an indicted defendant who's part of the criminal justice system now and released to freedom only because federal judges are allowing him to do that and state judges, but I want, but I think it's important that they know whether they're voting and then they can vote. If they want to vote for a guy who's convicted, but not yet sentenced, which is probably what will happen. Given the timeline here, they'll be convicted in one or two of these, but will not be sentenced in time for it, for it. And it'll still be out to bang the banjo and everything in the uh, tambourine. Like you said, then, then that's the America that people want. I can't believe it. I have more trust and faith in, in America as a whole the same america that voted for obama that voted for clinton that voted for biden i believe exists i don't believe it left you know it like elvis left the building i believe it's still here um and and thank god maga can only vote once you, as much <laughs> as excited as they are each one of them can only vote one time so but anyway that's me and i think we're we're Getting perilously close, unfortunately, this will be one of our themes on this particular podcast today. We're getting dangerously close to running out of time to have one or both or or more than one trial reach jury verdict before the November 5th election.
0: I, I agree in as much as I have faith in the American people to do the right thing. So, you know, but let's put that to one side because we're not dealing with a normal cast of characters here. Do you know, it occurred to me you talk about DC. I was thinking about DC Comics. And I was thinking that the reason that some people might enjoy this freak show, circus, is because they've heard this story before. It's in the Batman comics, right? Because, you know, Donald Trump is all the Batman baddies mixed into one. He, he's the Joker. He's the Riddler. He's also the Penguin, right? And, and you know the type of characters that the Penguin surrounded himself with. Yeah. And then we have Bruce Wayne is Jack Smith, but we also have, have Harvey Dent, yeah, who's the mayor, who is Rudy Giuliani, who's the crooked mayor. And we maybe we even have Alina Harbour as Catwoman. I don't know. But the, <laughs> the point I'm making is that this story is straight out of the comics and these characters, these, these baddies, henchmen. I mean, look at Paul Manafort, you know, who did go to prison, who was Trump's, um, uh, Campaign director. Campaign director. Yeah. The first time around in, in 2016. And, and, you know, with the, with the hair dye and the whole thing, you know, they are, these are all out of central casting, these characters. And, and I, I feel like there is an interest in, the, in the, the kind of comic strip version of what's happening. And sometimes people can forget that for, for people who are marginalized, who will feel the effects of a second Trump presidency, that this is actually really very serious, and and because otherwise it, it just kind of comes over as a performance. And when Trump storms out of court, as he did on Friday in the Eugene Carroll case, this just plays in for me to the kind of comic strip aspect of this, and why it's very hard to, you know, people are normalizing this behavior, but it is anything but.
1: Yeah, I've, I've talked a lot. You, know, you and I see eye to eye on that, too. I, I've talked a lot on the podcast and on Hot Takes, Illegal AF and all, about we're getting fatigued, we're getting Trump fatigued, yeah. and we can't. When I do, a lot of, uh, I do a lot of the Hot Takes about Jan 6 sentencing, and I, and I keep reminding people that it is important that we continue to talk about what happened on Jan 6th and continue to talk about the pe- the bad people that did it what they're accused of and their sentencing, and that we not get fatigued. Same thing with Donald Trump. We, as you've said, we've so normalized his outrageous behavior that it's no longer outrageous. I used to tell people when they'd say to me, "My my least favorite phrase." People say, "What's your least favorite word or phrase?" For me, it's unacceptable. I don't even understand that word. When somebody says to you, "It that what that just thing that just happened?" That's unacceptable. You've already accepted it at the point that you're saying it's unacceptable. Okay? You, you've literally accepted it, and you're just declaring it and branding it unacceptable. Same thing with Donald Trump. We keep – the media got tired of policing Donald Trump and calling him out until they're forced to do it, right? All, they, they allowed Biden, by way by the way that they did the reporting, to be portrayed and demeaned as it is, it is dotage. right? It is beginning of senility. He can't put a sentence together. He stumbles over his own two feet. They allowed that story to play out, which is just watching aging in place by an older American who happens to be 50 years in terms of having uh experience, who's in our White House. And but they never did the same thing to Donald Trump and all his malaprops and all of his ridiculous comments and his bing bang booms
0: and yeah, none because of he's comic got, strip because he's 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 right.
1: entertainment, right? And they right so he gets away there is no person on earth that would get away with saying the things like he just said at a rally with, with uh, Tim Scott standing behind him who appar- apparently there's some, some rumors about him having been bisexual or gay, but then he had a girlfriend and got married and Donald Trump played into it and said, Tim Scott got married. What's that all about? You know, like, I mean, yeah. if anybody had said
0: that, yeah,
1: we, they would be off the stage. Yeah. I mean, he says we, the
0: quiet parts out loud, but the problem is that he's, his politics is is increasingly fascist and because he's on the ropes he is ramping up the the fascism and it's being delivered in the in this comic strip way which is how he's able to get it under the radar because we saw with Ron DeSantis you know he tried all of those policies on the national stage and it didn't work because he's not an entertainer but but Donald Trump is And should only have ever stayed an entertainer. I mean, that if he'd have stayed in television, he would have done us all a favor. But the point now is we're in a really serious situation because there was a Ipsos poll out a few days ago that showed Donald Trump ahead of Joe Biden on on the, on the national stage. Uh, it was only a a survey of 1250 people. And obviously it's a while out before the election, but. It shouldn't be happening because with 91 charges, four indictments, two impeachments and paying off a porn star. The guy should be two thirds behind Joe Biden
1: against a president who has a remarkable record, domestic and foreign yeah. at this stage of his presidency. I mean, he'll go down. I don't know what the American people are going to do. I think I've told you at the beginning. I trust them to do the right thing. Um, and the economy is is rounding into form right at the right moment, 275 or whatever days before the election. You know, GDP is up, you know, stock market up, prices at the pump and in the, and the grocery stores down. Jobs exactly, numbers. Huh? Jobs numbers. Jobs numbers. Fantastic. Great infrastructure yep. starting to pay dividends, the $1 yep. trillion dollar investment. And Joe Biden gets to, you know, if his platform is going to be, Bidenomics, infrastructure, and how to help the average person in their pocketbook, and abortion rights, that should be a winning combination for the Democrats. The question is, is the shelf life of a president 80 years old? And, and, if, it, it, and the American people can't abide that high of a number, regardless yeah. of what the policy differences and the moral differences are between the two candidates. We're going to find out if 50 years of experience is a bad thing, in the american voting electorate because the guy also happens to be his age which is 81 there was a i i I just saw it i was coming through an airport yesterday leaving georgia visiting family and i saw a magazine article a cover for uh it was either new republic or something or american spectator i forget which one but it was a picture of a car from joe biden's birth year
0: and then Uh joe biden
1: next to it yeah like a like a like a 38 Studebaker or whatever the heck it would be, you know, whatever year he was born. And it was like, can can either of these things still still ride the road in 2024?
0: You know that's But 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 that's also Donald Trump's car. The Studebaker is also Donald Trump's car. That's true. This is the thing that I don't understand is how one is presented as old and the other who is less than three years younger. Is presented as some kind of, you know, superhero. Again, it goes back to my, my comic strip description of the fact that they, they see him as a, as a fantasy character. And, and, and whereas Joe Biden is the real thing, he's aging like people do. His well, mind is sharp, but, you know, physically, he's, and because he's skinny. And as we know, if you're really yeah. skinny, you age differently to people uh, with a, a little bit more he, weight on them. He's not, and I have caught conversations with people who are Republicans
1: in their late 70s. And even they're critical of Biden. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. If you, you, you think Biden is not making, so they don't give him the credit for anything that, that happens well, like how he's conducting the war in Ukraine, how he's handling the Hamas situation with the Israelis, how the economy is booming again. And he avoided that complete recession that if I were on your show, if I were on your show three months ago, just three months ago, we'd That's be right. talking about when is the recession? Is not it about yeah. to happen any moment yeah. now? So yeah. you avoided all of that. And instead of giving him credit for that, well, that's not him. That's Anthony Blinken. That's his Treasury Secretary. Yeah. That's Kamala. Like, okay, but if things go wrong,
0: it's C. It's Joe Biden. Like, which is it, man? Is he? So, but based on that, he 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 can't win. Based on the fact that so much is stacked against him, and people vote for personality over policy, not just in America but throughout Europe as well. You know, it's going to uh, win, Anthony. It's you mean Joe Biden? Yeah, Joe I'm, Biden's going to win. I'm I'm just I'm just saying hypothetically, yes. he, you know, how can he win the media over? How can he win the people over if he's got so much of this stacked I, I, against him? I want to hear your opinion on this. I, yeah. I thought
1: it's been one month since he really gave his first campaign speech and closing argument, beginning a closing argument to the American people yeah. in Pennsylvania a month ago. And since then. I think he's done quite well and without any missteps, Joe Biden, in terms of making his closing argument to the American people, both on the economics against Donald Trump and by name, his social media going after Donald Trump for Donald Trump's slip of the tongues and and nonsense, literal nonsense when he's talking and sending out Kamala uh, on a whistle stop tour related to women's rights at the same time that he does bidenomics and then he gets the surrogates to go out with him if and he's got 270 plus more days to do this i'm not everyone's like start doing it now joe do it i'm not sure start doing it now joe mattered he's without without being with all the um with all the handicaps that you you identified he's neck and neck with with uh, he shouldn't be we're pissed off that he is but he's neck and neck with donald trump it can only get better he can only go What was the line you could, the only time you ever start at the top is when you're digging a hole. That's right. You know, so he can go up from here. Yeah. But what about Trump? How does Trump get better than right now? Do the convictions make him better Do I don't think so, Do forget Nikki Haley. Who gives a shit about that? Uh, But, but I think Biden has the ability, has the upside to go up. And right now, I think
0: he's getting his campaign in swing to do just that. Anything could happen in 10 months, right? Yeah. And I mean, anything can happen in three months. And so we, we just don't know. I want to I want to look at s- some of these cases specifically and, and, and focus on your expertise, because, you know, my money is on Jack Smith, who we haven't heard much from. You know, he, he really is very tight lipped. And, you know, there's there's no leaks coming out of his office or anything, but it's pretty impressive um, so far. And, you know, when he gets up and makes a brief uh, talk, I really do believe people listen. And I think, you know, I look forward to more of those. So we've got, you know, we've got the federal election interference case. We've got the Georgia election interference case. We've got the classified documents case. The Hush Money case with Stormy Daniels. and and the eugene carroll case of course which is concluding but we're you know where where do we start with this which of these cases do you think is is going to stick because you know trump's been playing dirty tricks with forney willis recently where he's trying to open up her divorce paperwork to make the point that she's had a a a relationship with the nathan wade's
1: divorce paperwork her special prosecutor.
0: Her special prosecutor, right. Yeah. So his, his divorce, to to try and find the information to prove that there was some kind of relationship. But if those two are on the same side, then how is that compromised anyway? Yeah. Yeah. So let me start with the, which of these cases stick, which I,
1: I, I interpret to mean which of these are going to go to trial before the November election, right? Yeah. Let's do it it in this order. Let's do it in the order they were originally set, and then I'll tell you which ones I think fall (laughs) off track a bit. It's crazy that
0: there's so many that we have to put them into an order. But
1: yeah, Let's see. Let's color code these. Uh, The Times actually did a good job of color coding it. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah. So the original order of operation would have been March 4th for the D.C. election interference case, four counts, one defendant, Donald Trump, Judge Chutkin. That is currently on ICE, stayed pending the outcome of the D.C. Court of Appeals decision on whether Donald Trump has absolute immunity for criminal conduct while he was president to have his indictment dismissed. That will stay on ICE and stage through that appeal, the decision, and a Supreme Court ultimate decision on that. So it could be another uh, 90 days. You take that off of the amount of time here, so it won't be March, because the trial judge already said in a, in a recent ruling while I thought seven months was enough time, less than seven months of prep time is not enough time. And Donald Trump now has less than seven months because we've been waiting a month for the D.C. Yeah. Court of Appeals. So that, and I is think- it fair to
0: say on that one that yeah. if that one is heard by the Supreme Court, that, and of course the Supreme Court, as we know, is a Donald Trump court, majority Donald Trump court, That because people seem to have a lot more faith in the Supreme Court here than I do. And they'll be like, oh, they'll do the right thing. And it's like, well... Either they'll kick it back or they're going to support their man. I mean, they owe him one. Are they not going to just delay it till after the election as well? Well, that, those are, let me unpack a couple of those
1: things. Yeah. The, the, um, it's not quite a Trump dominated court. He's got three picks on there out of the nine, but it is a MAGA leaning court. And you have a fight that we've been watching in public display of John Roberts, who's not MAGA, but is a conservative Republican and the old fashioned Federalist. Yeah, tradition. It's a dying breed. Yeah. They should put them in a museum under glass because we're running, you know, they, they're being quickly replaced by, you know, like I, I, I always get my um, evolution things wrong. I forget which one followed, you know, cro and then this one, <laughs> that one that federalist conservative is getting yeah. eaten alive by MAGA, the more advanced version. And, yeah. but he's in the middle and he's trying to find his votes, but I'm not sure it's going to be that f- hard to find five votes To declare that a president in office doesn't have absolute immunity for criminal conduct, especially as framed by the case and Judge Pan below. Because think about the repercussions in the public policy, not just for Donald Trump, but in the future. And I don't think even this Supreme Court led by John Roberts wants to be the court that gave complete license to anybody that gets in office to literally burn down the White House and assassinate their, uh, and assassinate their political yeah. rival because yeah. they've got uh, absolute like diplomatic immunity like lethal weapon d- diplomatic the immunity like, that was no. joss
0: ackland who just died i, I, I know I, it's, um it's, what about it's, clarence it's, thomas would he recuse himself i mean no. his wife was intrinsic in january well, i've been demanding the recusal and so
1: has everybody forever <laughs> he he's never seen a conflict of interest that he hasn't figured out a way to right. to sit there
0: for and you he know, is maga ultimately oh, he's maga the the he's Code totally, MAGA. The, so that's but that's that's now four MAGAs and one conservative. So, uh, Alito and
1: Thomas will definitely vote for Donald Trump. They always have and they always will. Every time you see a seventy a seven to two decision against Donald Trump, you know who the two are without even looking. Yeah. it's always Thomas and they're 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 uh, they're they're like the Minnesota Twins. They're joined that they're conjoined at the hip. Now the question is Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. I was going to say Gorsuch. I don't is- think Kavanaugh. I mean, with all of his other problems. I just don't think Kavanaugh is going to vote for absolute presidential immunity for criminal conduct. I just don't see it based on his prior rulings. Gorsuch is always weird. He's really smart, but he, he comes out on weird sides of certain issues. Uh, just recently, he did on the barbed wire, whether Texas can put up razor wire to kill migrants or not. Yeah. You'd think the supremacy clause, which dominates you know, the constitution about the role of the federal government in immigration and foreign policy, you think that would be easy. And two of them said, no, I don't think there's supremacy clause over immigration rights, really? So it's all, but back to your question, back to your question. I think ultimately they do one of two things at the Supreme Court. I think Judge Pan is gonna lead a majority decision that's gonna find no absolute immunity. I think the Supreme Court, who controls its own docket, and kick the can down the road and say, this is interesting. We're going to leave that in place. We'll pick it up in the uh, in, uh, next next term. January, yeah, In January. Yeah. This term is running out. They're done in June, June, July. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if they're going to do it this year, they got to do it fast. Now, look, when the Supreme Court wants to move quickly, as I've said on my own podcast, they can move with such speed that it would rip your head off. In three days, three days in 2000, in Bush versus Gore, They had full briefing, an oral argument, and a decision that chose who the president of the United States was, five to four. Three days, 72 hours from the Florida Supreme Court decision. So when they want to move quick, now, are they going to move 72 hours, 72 days, 72 months here? I don't know. But I don't think – I think they're going to take it relatively quickly, but still we're not going to get a decision to advance that case until – Let's say May. And if we don't get a decision until like March, April ish, the judge is going to say attack three months on and I'll see everybody for jury selection in June. In the meantime, there's another case that's on the docket for March 24th. Now, while Judge Mershon in New York for the uh, Manhattan District Attorney Stormy Daniels business record fraud case, that's a mouthful. Has said and has agreed to cooperate with Judge Chutkin to put her case first if there's time to do her case and go second, because they've spoken. We know they've spoken. The press has reported that they've spoken and to coordinate. But if there's this big gap where the um, DC case is dark, then th- then Mershon goes forward. First case, and talk about sweet justice for Alvin Bragg, who got a lot of crap as the Manhattan yes, DA for not indicting Trump fast enough. He was the first to indict and maybe the first to try and convict Donald Trump because if that trial starts in March, things move a little bit slower in state court than federal court, we could get a verdict within two months. So that would be May, with a jury reaching a verdict against Donald Trump on multiple counts of business. fraud. I think there's 31 counts there.
0: That's that. But well, Trump has been very successful, despite not having great lawyers and losing lawyers, in in appeals that delay things. Finding anything to appeal to keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And obviously his plan is to push it, push everything in every case possible to after the election. That's not rocket science, but it does seem to be working.
1: Well, it's working because I'm, I'm having to spend time with you and I'm enjoying it. uh, Talking about these moving parts and how we shift these four trials around depending upon results. So as of right now where we are in this description is that the, the DC trial is not any earlier than May could be June, which gives time and breathing room for Stormy Daniels New York trial to happen by itself in March. And let me answer another question coming up in the chat. There cannot be simultaneous criminal trials of the same person, not happening. So once a trial locks in, it will take ownership of that calendar space and it will not let it go until it's completed. Then there's a gap, there's a reasonable amount of time, then the next trial starts. So if if I were a betting man, Stormy Daniels' trial happens and completes before the November election. That's that secret trial that's been sort of submarined, kind of below the radar. Can Jack Smith, which is the one we're all waiting on, because that's the election interference case for the for 2020 and Jan 6th, can that get up and running in time to be completed by November? It, yes. It can, because federal court process moves faster. Jury selection moves faster. Everything moves faster. So yes. And then what about Mar-a-Lago, forget Mar-a-Lago, at the rate that Aileen Cannon is not making rulings, which is, you know, just sort of foot dragging to help Donald Trump, obviously, there's no way her trial happens in May. The March Stormy Daniels case probably will not even be concluded until May, which takes her out of the box, which is what she's always wanted. And then the next trial that would start, she'll, she'll drop off, would be Chutkin's case, DC election interference case, and then we can talk a whole segment about what about Georgia, and yes. now that he's raised the issue and filed motions as recently as Thursday this past week, Donald Trump has filed a motion saying, "Aha, she gave a speech, Fannie Willis, that we all watched uh, uh, at the uh, at the at the you know the big Zion Ame." A uh, historic black church in in uh, Georgia, and she's bringing racial overtones in this. And my guy can't get a fair trial. She should be removed. The indictment should be dismissed. That's going to be decided mid February by Judge Scott McAfee. I don't think he dismisses the indictment. I'm not sure Nathan Wade is going to remain as a special prosecutor, and I'm hoping that Fawny Willis doesn't go anywhere.
0: I mean, it's it's hard enough for us to keep our heads around. All the the changes. And I'm thinking about, you know, the average voter, the the electorate, independent voters and and people who aren't really getting access to a lot of this information. Because the other thing we should remember is that a lot of Trump supporters, whether they be MAGA Republicans or, you know, your, your, your average former fiscal conservative who, you know, can't vote for anyone else. They're not getting access to this because these right wing networks that they watch are not covering it in the way that we are or even the way that some of the mainstream media is. And again, with their social media, they're not getting access to this information either. In fact, you know, you've seen interviews with some of the fans at rallies and things. They, they have no idea what is going on in, in, in federal or, or, or state courts.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a complicated, if we're looking to to the court system to educate people about their voting decisions, it's complicated. It doesn't, I was only joking when I said the stormy Daniels hush money business record fraud case, that does not fit on a bumper sticker. No, that is a very, that's a big mouthful. And the thing that we bring and you bring to the network is sort of what they call uh, uh, simplex, simplex. We take complicated matters But we try, without being patronizing, uh, talking to an educated audience, we try to explain it to them. When I speak to my audience and your audience by extension, I treat them like the educated jury that I'm used to being in front of, explaining to them what could be complicated concepts, but breaking it down in primary colors in ways that they can understand. But there's not a lot of shows like ours out there. There's not a lot of shows that want to devote the resources or the airtime to really getting down to the bottom of this. And while we have a growing audience, 2 million now on the Midas Touch Network that now follow all of us, um, is it enough? I feel like we're making a difference. I feel like if we can get people over here, that they'll learn things that will help them make their decision. I'm not telling them how to vote. People know how I'm gonna vote. I'm not telling them how to vote, neither are you. But we wanna give them these immutable facts to help them make their decision In a way that's not being presented in other places. But you're right, it's hard. If you would have told me, you know, what is the best way to educate America about who to vote for through the lens of the justice system is not the best way. Yeah. Or the easiest way.
0: Yeah. Um I just thought that Merrick Garland is Commissioner Gordon in the Batman story. (laughs) Oh, he
1: is. Right? He is. Oh Yeah. yeah. I think I love this. I love first of all, I love Batman.
0: Uh, Well, it just just made sense to me. Listen, we have to take a quick pause for our sponsor. I want to come back and talk to you about not just the three other cases that we haven't touched on yet, but but also this idea of political persecution that Trump's talking about. So he is claiming that the Justice Department is weaponized. It's Joe Biden that is trying to put him up in, in front of judges and juries. And I just want to talk about how the, you know, the public are supposed to you know, deal with those claims. Back with Michael Popock next on The Weekend Show. Are you self conscious about your smile due to stains? Are your teeth aging you? Food and drink are known to stain teeth. Coffee, wine, they stain over time. So, what can you do to brighten your smile? Well, you should give Smile Actives a try. Smile Actives is safe, effective, easy to use, and will keep you smiling proudly. I personally have been to a dentist and had a teeth whitening treatment. It was painful, it was uncomfortable, and it was not a experience that I would want to repeat. Well, simply add Smile Actives Pro Whitening Gel to your regular toothpaste do it at home it's been formulated with polyclean technology to boost stain removal and deliver active whitening ingredients into teeth's grooves to get better whitening people will start commenting on your whiter brighter smile in just days smile actives is the whitening boost your favorite toothpaste needs to give you the smile you deserve Visit smileactives.com slash weekend today to receive a special buy one, get one free offer with auto delivery plus shipping and handling. That's smileactives.com weekend. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So you're confident in the office, at the dinner table or even on the dance floor, but can't keep it going when you get back to the bedroom. With Hims, you can get access to medications to ensure your erectile dysfunction gets treated, so you can keep the confidence going all day and all night. HIMSS is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable and discreet sexual health treatments, all from the comfort of your couch. The process is simple, 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor's visits. Just answer a series of questions on the site and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hims.com/weekend. That's hims.com/weekend for your personalized ED treatment options. hims.com/weekend. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare professional, who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. We're back on the weekend show with Sir Michael Popock from Legal <laughs> AF. Um, so Donald Trump has positioned the Justice Department uh, in the way that he saw his own Justice Department when he was president, which was an extension of his legal team. Right? He he used attorneys general during his tenure to do his bidding for him. In reality, a Justice Department is supposed to be independent, but the president appoints the attorney general, which is confusing for people, isn't it? Because it's like, how is it truly independent if a political appointee chooses somebody to, to to run it? So based on that, Donald Trump does have a point that it is Joe Biden's Justice Department, even though those of us who live in reality know that Joe Biden is completely hands off and purposely stays separate, segregated from the Attorney General and the work of the Justice Department?
1: Let me start start with this. There's nothing in the US Constitution that says the Department of Justice is independent. There's nothing in the US Constitution about the Department of Justice. There is an executive branch that historically, the Department of Justice, after it was created, has been slotted under. There's the uh, legislative branch which we know what that is, that's Congress. And there's the judicial branch, which is all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. Those are the three branches. So some people who are outside this country might be thinking, why isn't the Justice Department under the judicial branch? That seems like a more likely place to slot it. But because we've got the co-equal branches of government and the checks and balances, we've always given the judicial branch, the the, uh, Department of Justice when it was created, and by extension, the FBI, and the things that support justice to the executive branch. Before Nixon and up to Nixon, it would be arguable whether the Department of Justice was really independent or they prided themselves of being independent. Certainly the FBI with J. Edgar Hoover was not independent. Uh, J. J. Edgar Hoover's um, uh, FBI uh, was busy either um, extorting presidents or presidential candidates, or doing the bidding of those people once elected. Uh, And the the relationship between Nixon and Hoover, particularly. As to the the Department of Justice, Nixon used it as a weapon. He weaponized it himself. Um, He used it to keep um, Watergate and the scandal at bay for long periods of time. Many people in his administration, including the Attorney General, went to jail um, under Nixon. Uh, And so Trump is from that school, which is, you don't, in fact, you hear the, the people that fear or should fear a restoration of the Trump presidency, when you listen to people that are sitting in that shadow government think tank of theirs, talking about what the first things they'll do, like on day one in the presidency, one of them is to get rid of the charade for them, that the Department of Justice should be independent. And they don't want it to be. They want it to do the bidding of the presidency. Uh, of, of the president and the occupant of that office. Joe Biden is old school. And since, and especially since Watergate, where he was actually there for parts of yeah. it. Um, <laughs> that's a great thing about Joe Biden. You could say, yeah. you know, he didn't have to hear about it. He was there yeah. uh, during Watergate. Yeah. Um, and he believes, as, as do I think that's part of the Democratic platform, that the Department of Justice should be independent. And then you have independent, um, independent guardrails within the Department of Justice for the appointment of the independent or special counsel. And that's why you put a person like Merrick Garland in that role, person who was like a hair's breadth away from being on the United States Supreme Court, people forget he was on the D.C. Court of Appeals. He yeah. was the chief judge of the D.C. Court of Appeals. If he was there today, he'd be the one making many of the decisions about Donald Trump. Some people might think that's a good place for Merrick Garland. But,
0: but- evidence did surface that Merrick Garland had slow-walked the, the, the January 6th um, case. Yeah. And that, that actually, because we're three years on now, yeah. And, the you know, two years of that, Merrick Garland was dragging his heels. I mean, why would he have done that considering what is at stake? And, I mean, nobody really talks about, I mean, certainly Donald Trump doesn't talk about that. But to me, that's proof that there is still this respect for the office of president yeah. that is preventing justice from being done.
1: Yeah, I think there was, as it was bubbling up to... um to Merrick Garland, I think he more focused initially on the two thousand people that stormed the Capitol yeah. and how to bring them to justice, yeah. as opposed to that upper level. Even though he kept saying, "I'll go wherever the facts and law lead me," and that's. But I, I also think,
0: um, was he lying? I mean,
1: no, what, I no, what's I think the position they were- there. No, I think they were doing it, but they weren't they weren't giving the full amount of resources that were required. I mean, he says it was when Donald Trump announced his candidacy, he felt he had to do an independent counsel because now his boss had a had an opponent um, and he didn't want any of that. And the best thing that ever happened to the case was Donald Trump announcing his run for presidency, because that led directly to the appointment of Jack Smith, who, you know, is just a relentless machine for justice yeah. um, and and all of that. But so. Look, I think the answer to the, your, your, what you're positing is the Department of Justice, in my worldview, should always be independent. It should be led by adults, like people like Merrick Garland. We may fault them on policy here and there, but I think he eventually did the right thing. Um, maybe we should have been talking about these things with an extra six months under our belt, but, but we are where we are right now. And, um, and, and to say that, um, Joe Biden is pushing the buttons leading to things happening to Donald Trump. It's just a complete canard. I mean, it's yeah. just a lie.
0: But his people uh, are buying that story. So what yeah. could Joe Biden do to bring clarity to the fact that there is independence?
1: Well, I mean, I mean, you, you have Merrick Garland, who just a week or so ago said, if if Joe Biden tried to interfere and make me do anything, I would have resigned immediately. So you've got the gravitas the ethics of of Merrick Garland saying it. Joe Biden has said, but I think he needs to continue to say it as part of his closing argument, that the only one that that Donald Trump has to blame for the predicament that he's in is Donald Trump himself. This is about his criminal conduct as alleged in indictments and 91 felony counts. And he wants to blame everybody but himself. This doesn't have to do with the prosecutors. And as I remind people, when I talk about Fawney Willis, Jack Smith didn't indict Donald Trump. Merrick Garland didn't indict Donald Trump. Funny, Willis Willis didn't indict Donald Trump, and neither did Alvin Bragg. Grand juries indicted Donald Trump. That's the beauty of our process. So if there was, and the Supreme Court has said in the past as part of precedent, that one of the safeguards against an out-of-control prosecutor is the fact that a grand jury is the one that produces the indictment after hearing evidence, after hearing witness testimony, Okay. yes, there's an old joke about a good prosecutor could get a ham sandwich indicted, but it, it does sanitize the whole system by having the grand jury. Now, if you were telling me that the prosecutor, by way of information, which is another way that you can charge somebody with a crime, is the one bringing the crimes, maybe would lend a little bit more credence to the argument of the weaponization of the department. But the weaponization of what? The weaponization of the grand jury? I mean, at the, eventually we got to say 22 or 24 people know what they're talking about. We're not in the room with them. It's secret. They're getting the evidence, the testimony in Georgia and District of Columbia and in New York. And they're making the decision. The jury of his peers, grand jury of his peers is making an ultimate decision whether to indict or not. And that's it. And there is prosecutorial discretion that's been in his favor. The special purpose grand jury, for instance, in Georgia recommended to Fannie Willis that up to 20 people be indicted. She did not indict 20 people. She indicted, I think, uh, 17 or 18, and they weren't yeah. overlapping completely with the special purpose grand jury. The Department of Justice, I just did a hot take about Matt Gates being back in the crosshairs with the House Ethics Committee, and that they're now investigating him again and interviewing the alleged minor victim, who's now yeah. an adult, but was a, a minor woman who, he, who it's alleged he had sex with. But the Biden, Biden Department of Justice did not charge Matt Gates. It was the investigation was started by Barr and Trump, but it was ended by Biden. And there's plenty of times that the Biden administration has looked the other way or hasn't prosecuted things in and around the Trump inner circle. This is just a complete distraction and smokescreen for Donald Trump's bad conduct. Here's where I stand. A grand jury, grand juries multiple indicted him. Mar-a-Lago, yes, D.C., New York and Georgia. A a pettit jury, the actual jury for a trial, will ultimately decide based on the evidence is presented with a a counterweight of a defense team on the other side and give him his day in court. If he's guilty, he should go to jail. If he's not guilty, he should be exonerated. And I'll do a whole
0: podcast about it. (laughs) There's an elephant in the room here with all of this from my perspective. And that is that Donald Trump is not of sound mind. And so, whenever we talk about his crazy behaviour, whether it be him storming out of court, or even trying to address the judge directly when he's not been given permission, and, and is, you know, not punished for that either, he, it's it's because of his mental pathology. You know, of who he is. He is a compromised individual, and for some reason, despite thirty-seven clinicians diagnosing his personality disorder. And I interviewed Bandy Lee for the third time a couple of weeks ago on the show. And, you know, she told us even more about how, you know, he is unraveling. But we're trying to put him into a box of sanity, which does simply not apply to him. (laughs) So even if they were to say to him, "Okay, you've you go into prison, he would probably run out the other door i mean he he doesn't think laws apply to him he doesn't think the rule of law applies to him he's a career criminal effectively he's always behaved this way and he is you know a very empty and sad character who is just filled with bravado and and so i think for me anyway the reason that it seems impossible for The justice system to kind of grip onto this guy is because the justice system requires people to play by the rules. And when you are compromised emotionally, socially, and mentally as much as Donald Trump, the rules simply don't apply. How how do we qualify that?
1: Well, you're right. You're watching, as I said at the top of the podcast, you're watching a justice system, civil and criminals, groaning under the weight of Donald Trump and his acting out. I mean, we had in the E. Carroll case. I mean, if you would, I don't even know what, what strategy this is. This is no yeah. strategy. This is a strategy of a bad man or an unstable compromise right. man, as you just said it, to stand up while a female um, uh, plaintiff's lawyer is giving her closing argument about a rape victim who was also defamed asking for punitive damages and that he's done a relentless campaign of misogyny and attack on her for which this jury should make him pay dearly to paraphrase Robbie Kaplan today, and in the ten, and when she got to the point in her closing argument, I, I'm thinking this is the point when he acts out. When she said, "And did he respect the prior jury and their decision uh, back in in uh, May when they ruled against him and found him to be a rapist and having defamed her and and imposed punitive damages?" No. 24 hours later, he was on CNN tunnel. and in the middle of that, and the, well, think of the optics. Female lawyer, female rape victim of Donald Trump. And he gets up, buttons his, you know, his long red tie, buttons his jacket, and walks out of the courtroom, leading the judge to say to the jury, let the record reflect that Donald John Trump has left the room. And then Boris Epstein, because, you know, he's got to like follow behind like his daddy, buttons up his little three piece suit, and tries to leave too. And the judge is like, sit down. Are you, are you, I thought you were a lawyer. Even though you're not a lawyer admitted to this court, sit down.
0: Why, so this not, is, why not sit down, Trump? Why allow Trump to go? Why, by the way,
1: why let him? This is like you ever you ever do any uh, sport fishing, bill fishing, like marlins or anything? You have to sit in that chair for a long time and give them a lot of lead to to reel them in. You know, a lot of you just just you're just because they don't want a mistrial because they want this to get to a jury deliberation. Right. So they'll and that's not a favorable thing for Donald Trump towards his own case. That that's not going to win any points with the jury. The juries are authentic. They they don't like to be lied to. They don't like to be uh, mistreated or feel that anyone is being mistreated in that room. I know that from my own jury practice. That jury, if they didn't not if they didn't shake their heads, um, they will when they get back into the liberation room, and they let them go. You me- you mentioned comics. We've talked a lot about DC comics, but when I was a kid, it was Warner Brothers and it was Bugs Bunny. And whenever Bugs Bunny stood next to some situation or person that was sort of out of their mind, he would Bugs Bunny would hold up this little sign here, screw ball. Right. I used to love that. I yeah. mean somebody should stand next to Donald Trump when he's talking and just be like, This guy is mad as a hatter.
0: But but isn't isn't that the problem that that society has always treated mental health as a kind of taboo subject, unless you're, you know, living in, I don't know, a, a commune in, in Malibu or something where, you know, people have come to exercise <laughs> their, their issues. Shout out to Malibu. Shout out to Malibu. <laughs> but, the, the, but the reality here is that the, the, the criminal justice system was not built for people like Donald Trump who are mentally ill. The presidency is not built for people who no. are that, that ill. And we saw the results <laughs> and the effects of that. But we Everything have an amendment. From, we have a constitutional amendment that but, almost got triggered. <laughs> almost, but didn't. Yeah. And this is the problem, isn't it? That that because mental health is an unknown quantity, it, it, it becomes something that people don't want to go there. And the point that Dr. Bandy Lee made, because she said she's in court all the time, because she has to, you know, give a, a, a clinical description of, of the mental health of, of the defendant. And she said, you know, why is that not happening in this case? Why is it clear to most people that Donald Trump is nuts, and yet no expert like her—she's she, an expert on, on violence and violent criminals—why have no experts been brought in? Because it doesn't make any sense to me that he is being treated so very differently. Is it that to admit that America elected a, a mentally ill man it would be detrimental to the to the history timeline? No, I'm, I'm not
1: sure I'm there. But the problem is that, that Donald Trump sane and Donald Trump mentally unstable, it's, uh, they're hard, it's hard to suss out. He's always been sort of a um, asshole. Um, and he's always, if you see even interviews when he was in his 30s, while it didn't exhibit the stuff that the, your doctor has, has noted, in terms of, you know, he's always been a classic narcissist. That's obvious. He's always been somebody who's been a misogynist. He's always mistreated women uh, and chalked it off to Bonfire of the Vanities and, and uh, you know, the 80s and the 90s and what you could get away with with women. Ha ha, yeah. you know, like...
0: And he's like, always committed fraud as well. He's always committed you know? fraud <laughs> right. since his
1: father's days. It's yeah. tax fraud in the 70s. But he's always had this bon vivant eccentric BS thing that people have bought into. And as we've watched him degrade, and in, in, as you've said, spiral down into really being mentally unstable and unfit for office. You know, there's the group that just think, I like the mean tweets. I like, you know, all of the crazies with all the stuff at the rallies and things. You know, th- they they are not watching it the way a, a professional is or the way that you and I are. I'm a professional, the Trump watcher, not because I went... And got a degree in anything but because i grew up in new jersey and new york during the exact same periods when he was he was you know putting casinos into bankruptcy and put being put on you know a fifty thousand dollar a month uh, allowances by federal bankruptcy judges and and i and i knew people that knew him i was at least one or two degrees of separate of separation away from donald trump when he was in new york i worked at big firms we knew people in common and you know i i shop at bergdorf's you know things like that so so i knew this guy so i could tell the difference between donald trump 1980s hanging out at the lanes with his buddies and donald trump today up on the stand or up on the stand or up on a on a in the world on the podium yeah and he's on the podium and he's not fit for office and why but but i think you're right people just don't his supporters will never acknowledge they just think The crazier that Donald Trump is, the more they love him. Yeah, and they don't. I I get that, but what about the
0: authorities? Because people want to feel safe in America, don't they? They want to know that a madman cannot take the presidency, and and because you know we need politics should be boring. It should be serious. It should be administrative. It shouldn't be show business. And and unfortunately, because they see him as a show business character because of The Apprentice and everything else, that's right. It's almost excusing the fact that he is dangerous. He is a dangerous criminal who has effectively brought a, brought about the downfall of American democracy. Okay. And yet, people are like, "Oh well, you know, we'll we'll, we'll forget about the classified documents theft because we've got bigger fish to fry."
1: They restore this presidency. We're going to go back for, to careening between chaos and conflict and policies it'll be worse, it'll be worse. Yeah. because now as you said he's more mentally unhinged and now he'll have all of the enablers and now he knows better And he the learns. retribution
0: this time which he it's talks like openly about
1: it's like AI. He's yeah. learned his mistakes yeah. and it's like the turn now he's terminator 2.
0: The the, gonna, the algorithm is is refined now. It's refined.
1: Now yeah. it's like oh I know what I need for my attorney general. I know what I need for my White House counsel. Yeah. I know what I need First of all, he's going to put lawyers that are syncophants of his in every major cabinet position every right. ma- and every and the general counsel for each of the departments is going to be very strong and all lead back to some attorney general, god forbid of who that could Haba, Who that could be. Who knows? But this is what he's going to do, and then he's going to he's going to shrink the size of the government. Meaning, he's going to take away the social safety net. He's going to put up barbed wires and walls everywhere. He's going to deport, put people on no-fly lists, you know, regardless of whether they really are criminals or or, or do or will do harm to this country. And and uh, and does anybody really buy that the reason we didn't get in any wars is because of his crazy crackpot theories? No.
0: Well, but it's a compelling argument for people that don't know better. You know, while I was president, there was no war. That's how he says, no war. What he doesn't understand, because he doesn't have the intellect, is that the wars that we're seeing now are all because of him. Oh, yes. and, and and And, you know, you can explain that to people, but it's still very hard if they're living in their social media ecosystem to, to ever kind of cross over into reality. And now he has the Messiah complex going. People are even more likely to believe in the evangelicals Trump. and everybody else because he is speaking the word of the Lord. And, and and that is terrifying. Especially for an atheist who
1: barely ever went to church except for when he got married and there was right. a couple of baptisms in there. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who, yeah, they, they've made their devil's bargain, no pun intended, the, 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 the far Christian right with him because of abortion and because they want to see Israel destroyed because they need that to happen for their, their apocalyptic version of the world to happen. It's, people I love. I always love my friends that are Jewish that are said, Oh yeah, I got some really right wing Christian right people that, yeah, they're not supporting your religion for the right reasons. Um, so, yeah. uh, but that's, that's where it's at right now. And you can't get the Christian right away from him. He's the most, um, a sacrilegious president we've ever had, I believe. Um, and yet they cling to him.
0: Jamie Raskin put it very well the other day, didn't he? He was like, this guy, he was a Democrat longer than he was a Republican. And, and yet, you know, you follow him blindly. The, the, the problem we have is that we're, we're living outside of reality with this guy. And, and I often say, isn't it insane how one man can cause so much chaos that ricochets not through the just through the judiciary, but through civil society as well.
1: And, well, let me and, let me
0: ask you a question. Let's yeah. take the
1: plane up five thousand feet. Sure. Well,
0: one day soon,
1: by natural causes or otherwise or term limits, there won't be a, a Trump president in our lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> very soon. Yeah. What happens long term? This ricochet effect into the future of the Republican Party as we know it. I joked about the uh, they should put traditional conservative Republicans under glass in a natural history museum. Yeah. Because they don't seem to exist anymore because in their ecosystem, they got eaten and beaten by MAGA. So what happens after the fearless leader steps down or he's 90 years old, who takes over and what happens to the party? What do you think happens to the party?
0: Well, Trumpism is similar to Reaganism. And how long did Reaganism last? It's still going on, right? Yeah.
1: 25, 30 years
0: at least yeah. strong. Yeah. And it's the same with Thatcherism in the UK. And these isms are generational and they, you know, they stick. They, they reprogram people. And so my fear is that long after Trump is dead, that Trumpism has embedded itself so deeply now in the, in the, in the thinking of people that got behind him that they would find it very difficult to do an, an about turn and so for example look at look at mike johnson right the new speaker of the house he is a product of trumpism he has you know a far right christian nationalist hates the lgbtq community you know wants to pray away the gay obviously hates women because he doesn't believe they have the right to choose in any in any way will probably be seeking to ban contraception if he can he is a product of trumpism that is in the very center of government he is second in line to the presidency and and that is the effect of 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 donald trump and i, I really believe you know i don't know why with his diet how that guy is still alive but <laughs> uh, after donald trump passes away i still think you're looking at 20 25 years of his uh, the, the the epidemic the the pox of of trump Will, will remain long after.
1: I agree with you. It's like a computer virus that got yeah. inside. And what it's done, as I was thinking about the way you were describing it, what it's done is it has surfaced and put on leadership track people who would normally not been able to. Yeah, you and I shouldn't shot. even know who Elise Stefanik is. Right. She should not, in any party, any serious party, be a leader or being considered for the vice presidency yeah she, she'd be like marjorie taylor green or aoc in our party you know uh, the democratic party these are not people that would be at the top apex of their parties but because as you said you know matt gates we shouldn't even be talking about a sex scandal no. for matt gates he shouldn't be a leader of the maga party or of the caucus that could bring down the government but 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 the the trump path at least Stefanik. When she was a mild-mannered, normal Republican, yeah. go check her voting record. She also wasn't the number three in line of the what is she? The whip now in in uh, in the in Congress, and she wouldn't be talked about being vice president. She's an opportunist that decided, just like Trump became a Republican instead of a Democrat, she became a MAGA Trumper um, in order to um, in order to for her own power play and her own power grab. And you're right that that's the problem. You know, in our party, in the Democratic Party. When I tell people, when they say, Well, what's the alternative to Biden at the appropriate time? And I'll say, Well, I like our alternatives. I like Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. I like uh I like Gavin Newsom where you where you're from. I like
0: Hakeem Jeffries.
1: I like Hakeem Jeffries a lot. Um and I could I could reel off another four or five in various states, and I think we're just fine. This party is just fine and will come through the Biden era stronger than we were before, more unified than we were before. Sure. It's a large tent. We have people in there, you know, whatever whatever that squad's called, uh, within the tent. That's fine. I don't agree with everything they say, but I understand the constituency that they represent. Um, you know, with with what's that squad called? That's uh, AOCs season? It's called the squad. It's, the squad. It, yeah. yeah. You know what? We have a squad. Okay. Good. Yeah. It's, it's not a full blown. But, but
0: that, that squad was created by the right to kind of give the impression that these people were radical left left and they're not i mean by anybody else's standards outside of the us talking about you know unions and and pay you know wages and yeah you know climate change it's it's not extreme oh no it's it's another page out of the hymnal of the
1: democratic party yeah and and the values of the democratic party i mean i make voting relatively simple for people when they ask me i say look this is not that hard take away the labels Look at, the, look at the policies when each party is in office and what they do for you. And then take your morals and your ethics and your values and map them on to each party's platform and what they've accomplished. And, and vote for the party that most closely aligns to the things that are important to you in terms of your own value system. That's it. It's not that hard. I don't give a shit about hats and red and blue and this and that. You know, I have to, you know, but I can sleep well at night. Knowing, for instance, that I happen to support and vote for a party that, by and large, um, uh, is in line with my own morality and my own view of the world about how women should be treated, about how immigrants and migrants this this country should be treated, about pub- the role of public education. The, uh, the role of, of big government or government in people's lives, including doing things that, that uh, businesses won't do, like investing $1.3 trillion in infrastructure, like making sure that internet connectivity happens, that inner city schools have the tools that they need, both human and material, to educate, um, to make sure that people don't go into life-crippling, crushing debt for healthcare issues or for education. Don't forget clean
0: water. That's also quite a, I also like the
1: environment. I like to have an environment. So that's my party. And so that fits with me. And, and, and when I, and when I think, "Eh, maybe I'll look at the other party, look, look what I'm looking at. We don't have a second party in this country. We have a uh, party that has been hijacked by its worst instincts and MAGA philosophy for, you know, for, for this time. You know that's what we have right now.
0: I I think what I'm getting in in conclusion, really, is that people like Donald Trump. I'm sorry, people who are presidents. They, they, we want president presidential candidates who are clean. Because the moment you start investigating a presidential candidate, they start to misbehave. They start to manipulate they start to cause trouble and it affects their policymaking as well. And they end up making policies and saying stuff using the platform and the office of president that people look up to as a, as a platform for hatred. And, you know, if you look back at Obama, you know, people often talk about the tan suit as being the worst thing that. Oh my God. Happened, and no right? jacket
1: in the summer while he was at right. the, while he was at the uh, resolute
0: right. desk. But, but, isn't you know, whatever your view on the Obama presidency, he wasn't under investigation for breaking the law, let alone four indictments and ninety-one charges and paying off a porn star. If he was, he would probably be, you know, incarcerated by now. And and, and that really is the thing. You, you you want candidates for this job who have a clean record, who come from a good place, who are community organizers or public defenders. You really do not want ex-TV show people, people who've been in doing dodgy business deals their whole life. They do not make good candidates. And when you investigate them through the official channels, they will act up to use your description.
1: I agree. I think that the, the media fell down in its vetting of Donald Trump, even though he'd been on the public stage for a long, long time. You know, the fact that he didn't release his tax returns, you know, should have led them to do more and better investigative reporting early on. The stories that came out that were Pulitzer Prize winning the New York Times about Donald Trump tax fraud and his father. Those should have been those should have been before he was elected president, not after. Um, And and that's the problem. We just sort of let that train leave the station at high velocity and did nothing to stop it. And it's tended because nobody took it seriously. Even I didn't. Before I got into podcasting and doing what I'm doing now with you, you and with the brothers, I I thought I told my dad, my late father now, who worried about Donald Trump and had, you know, was born in the 1930s, had lived through, um, you know, sort of the, the end of Hitler and Mussolini. It was more recent history for him than for us. And he he looked at Donald Trump in 2016 during the campaign and said, this is this is uh, Benito Mussolini all over again, including in his posture and his way he used his jaw. Yeah. And I told my dad, and he unfortunately he died before the election, I told my dad, um, don't worry, dad. As soon as the summer rolls around, you know, he's one of 16 clowns. He's not going to be the guy. I was wrong.
0: yeah.
1: But I don't want to be wrong again. I want to be- <laughs> yeah. so people have to, you know, if if we're getting any common theme, common thread on all the podcasts – on the Midas touch network is can't the importance of voting cannot be underestimated. You know, as, as my, as one of my favorite presidents, Barack Obama said frequently when, when he would raise something about an opponent, people would start to boo. He's like, boo's great. Don't boo vote. Yeah. You know, this, this, all what we're talking about is all for nothing. If we haven't had the intended effect of getting independent, we're talking to independents, obviously the bluest of the blue Democrat, knows what we're talking about, and we're preaching to the choir. The reddest of the red is never going to listen to us and, and trolls us when we try. But it's that independent group in the middle. And can we can we siphon off, because Biden did, did fine with independence, Hillary did not. Can we get the fair share of the independents? And can we get enough Republicans who are conservative, who are not MAGA, who are disgusted and disappointed by this being their standard bearer, including women in the Republican Party, can we get them to stay home at least and to drain off enough of the votes so that the 7 million, which a little bit uh, is a little bit, um, not when we say that, that Biden won by 7 million votes, we got to do this battle battleground by battleground. Yeah. And in some battlegrounds, he only won by 12 or 15,000 votes. So every vote is important. You, but you can't just bring yourself to the polls. You got to bring six or eight other people to the polls with you you know, and have them vote.
0: This is why I say you shouldn't shut Donald Trump out. You have to talk about him, even if you're sick of it. You have to engage your, your family members. And you really need to explain that, you know, fascism has arrived in the U.S. and it's dressed as a, this kind of weird, you know, DC comic clown. Don't let that distract you. You know, this is very serious. And, and you don't want to get to a point where you didn't really consider the importance of democracy until you, until you lost it.
1: Yep. Very, very good. Great ending. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's do just that. Listen, thank you for, for coming on and, and explaining some of the stuff that I, I struggle with, you know, because the law is, uh, is complex and you do a great job of ex- explaining you. it. So thank you, Michael Popov. Real pleasure. I'm Anthony Davis. Don't forget to support me and independent journalism at patreon.com slash five minute news, subscribe to the five minute news podcast and join me next week with a brand new special guest and three more factual news stories to discuss on the five minute news weekend show with Midas touch.